Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Not just me, but Julie Weisenhorn's yeah. back in the studio with us from the University of Minnesota Extension. Nice Good to see you morning. again. Thank you. How you Hello. been? Good. Yeah? A little tired. A little tired. You were playing. The abiders were he playing last night. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, uh, you got a little rest. Not much. A little. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm. I'm ready for the questions. Well. Okay. We'll. Bring we'll. Them we'll on. put you to work. But keep in Bring mind, you. Uh, we'll uh, accept texts. You'll take those, right? Text sure. Me- why not? And phone calls. <laughs> Just want to make sure things haven't changed since I was gone. No. 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 All right. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Folks are calling in right now. If you don't want to miss out, uh, ask your lawn or garden question to Julie right now by phone, 651-989-9226, or send a text like some folks are already doing, eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. I mentioned briefly off the air that I wish you had uh, come with us on our trip, because every trip, it never fails. People say, Denny, what's that plant? What's that tree? Well, I said, look, I'm not the expert. These guys are the experts. So next time. I would have to have my California book with me. Well, that's <laughs> a true. Plant book. Yes. What I saw a lot of there mm-hmm. were uh, uh, boxwood hedges. Oh yeah, Huge. yeah. That's a lovely broadleaf evergreen. Yeah. Yeah, it shears very nicely into hedges and and uh, other shapes. It looks nice, kind of a loose natural shape yeah. as well. All right. Let's go to the phone first, then we'll pick up on some text messages. Tommy is calling from Minneapolis. Tommy, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. So my neighbor has a grub issue in their lawn. Last year, I got two soil samples sent to your uh, lab. Okay. And everything came back as far as um, the composition of the soil and everything and nutrients. It was good. But um, apparently, it's grubs. Last Mm. year, put topsoil on, good seed, good topsoil. It grew but now it's all dead this spring. Okay. So you are, uh, I thank you for asking that question because we have a fantastic article by Jeff Hahn, who's our extension entomologist on exactly that question on about uh, uh, grubs in your lawn, because a lot of people feel uh, that by just treating their lawns for grubs, whether they have them or not, they'll prevent Japanese beetle populations from, rising in their yard but you definitely have a grub problem so you do want to treat for grubs now unfortunately it's too early or too late to treat for grubs in other words the best time to treat for grubs is july through mid-september and there are a number of different products that you can put on that on your lawn so right now the grubs are too big and and treating them isn't going to help 
So they're too big to kill, basically. They've advanced too far in age. But uh, so you are going to want to put that on your calendar for July to treat for grubs. And in the meantime, you're going to need to just rake up those dead spots and reseed for the spring. Mm, that's it. Yeah. Sorry I didn't realize that. that. They just, they're too uh, mature. Right. Yeah. So that article for all of you listening who uh, might think you have a grub problem or if you do have a grub problem, uh, go ahead and go to our garden webpage on extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden, and then go to the yard and garden news. That's our blog. We write it continuously throughout the entire growing season. It's got some awesome, awesome articles on it that are very timely right now. And Jeff Hans is extremely timely. So it's a common question we get about, well, I'll just treat my lawn for Japanese beetles, even though I don't have a grub problem. But but many people do have a grub problem, like the caller. So, um, but definitely take a look at that. All right. Very good. I want to mention, too, that By the Yard Outdoor Furniture, that family-run business down in Jordan, Minnesota, sponsors this show every week, and we thank them for that. By the Yard. We'll talk about that coming up. Texter uh, Julie says, My Annabelle hydrangea is starting to show new growth on old wood two feet up from the ground. Should I cut it down further to the ground for blooming on new growth or leave it? Uh, how will that affect the flowers? Uh, you can go ahead and just... and. Uh, you know, cut it at the right level that you want it at. You don't need to cut it down to the ground, and uh, it should reflower just fine. Okay. Let's go to Steve, who's calling uh, Julie uh, this morning. Steve, go ahead. Uh, Julie's listening. Uh, you know what? Oh, can't hear you, Steve. Okay, i tell you what. <laughs> Steve, Steve is having uh, issues having with his cell phone. I'm not sure issues. why. Uh, get on a hill or something, maybe. Call us from there. Just call us back. All right. Dave and Fridley, I hope, is there. Dave, go ahead, please. Yes, good morning. Good morning. I, I have an infestation of moss in my yard, and I'm just wondering, uh, some areas are all moss and others have a little bit of grass growing through it. I'm assuming the moss hasn't choked it off yet. I'm wondering the best way to get rid of it. Uh, would one way be to put a layer of dirt, like say an inch thick over it, and then reseed, or how should I go about that? Well, moss is uh, a, a symptom of too much moisture and compacted soil. And uh, so you would want to, in those areas, you're trying to grow grass in probably too shady a spot. And so you want to choose a grass species that is uh, shade tolerant, and some of our fescues would be a good option for that. But in the meantime, you want to scrape off that moss. Just take a, a stiff rake or a, a shovel or something, just scrape it off off the surface. And then you want to loosen up that soil a little bit. If it's not too big a spot, you can just use a garden fork. But you may uh, you know, need some larger equipment depending on how big that area is. And then you want to reseed for that, uh, the type of environment. Now, it may also be an area that you shouldn't be growing grass. It might be too shady. And uh, there you might want to think about uh, adding a garden bed and doing some mulching there and planting some shade perennials. All right. Texter wants to know. Does you have another follow-up, Dave? Uh, no, I just wanted to thank you. Oh, good oh, you're deal. Welcome. You're, welcome. you're welcome. Thanks for thanks for the call. And again, there's a there's an information on our website under our turf section on uh, moss. Very good. In lawns, Dave leaves that line open six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Texter wants to know: Can I plant annuals in the ground now? 
It's almost more. Uh, pretty close. I think, you know, our our last frost date in the metro area is about May 20th. And as I've said before, I remember that because that's my mom's birthday. But uh, that is something that um, you want to – some of our annuals are a little tougher uh, for cold. I mean, we've had some chilly chilly evenings, mm-hmm. but we haven't had any frost in the metro. Now, up north, that's a little bit different maybe. And so I would kind of um, – Depending on which one it is, some of our more tender uh, annuals are probably not, you know, I'd probably just hold off. Another week or so. But we're getting close. You can yeah. check the temperature, but it's been pretty cool. Yeah, it has. Lay, uh, yeah. Upper 40s, mid to upper 40s. Yeah, so uh, it also depends on if the plants have been acclimated. So if they've been sitting outside at a garden center or if they've been sitting inside at a garden center, that's a big difference. If they've been sitting inside at a garden center, they're not used to the cooler temperatures, and they're probably going to look a little wilted and and maybe uh, not look too hot for a while. But if they've been sitting outside at a garden center, then that they might be appropriate. And those are probably the more hardier of our annuals. Okay. Sue is calling from Red Wing with a question for Julie. Go ahead, Sue. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for my co- taking my call. I have ewes that are planted around my deck, and they're getting large, and I'm wondering, can I still trim those, or is it too late to trim them? No, you can go ahead and trim those. Uh, You can head them back, meaning that on some of those longer branches, you Mm -hmm. can take a nice sharp pruner, and you can just go back to a point at which another branch comes out and just trim off the longer branch, so it's called heading back. And one uh, one thing to think about when you're pruning evergreens like that is uh, is to prune them so that those upper the upper part of the plant is smaller than the bottom part. And the reason for that, if you think about it, if you uh, you want to do that so that the light can get to the lower branches. Okay. If, if they're all the same length, those bottom branches are gonna they're not gonna get any light and they're gonna defoliate. They they won't grow well. So if you make it just a little bit of a not a pyramid per se, but kind of think about it that way so that those okay. lower branches come out at the bottom. And can I cut off the rust-colored ones from the winter kill? Uh, yes, you can. Um, it, the one thing to look at is if those rust-colored branches actually have buds on them. and You'll see little okay. light green buds. If that's the case, the branch is still alive, the needles are just dead. And then you, okay. can, just, you can just leave those alone, the needles will fall off, and they'll refoliate. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Very good. Tell you what we need to do, Julie, is take a quick break. Invite our listeners to uh, call us or text us, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on A3OWCCO, brought to us by By the Yard Patio Furniture. Julie Weisenhorn is with us. Again, yeah. good to see Julie. And uh, well, we've got, as you can see, Julie, tons of text messages. <laughs> and here's one uh, I find interesting. Should I till the garden? Oh, more boy. and more people are saying not. Mm. No, it messes up the bio of the soil. Well, it doesn't necessarily mess up the bio of the soil per se, but what it does do uh, from a more direct sense is that it will um, bring weed seeds to the surface. And those weed seeds, uh, some seeds require sunlight to germinate, and a lot of our weed seeds do. And so when you bring them to the surface, then you suddenly have a big crop of weeds. Now, um, some people do selective tilling where they till just, uh, say, the row that they're going to plant versus tilling the entire garden. 
Uh, in some cases, your soil is in poor condition and you need to amend it, and it's much easier to uh, lay the compost down and or the fertilizer over the entire garden space and then till it in. Sometimes you have very compacted soil. So there are different reasons to till, but if you till just because you always have tilled, I would recommend that you take a look at your soil and see if you really need to till. Uh, and uh, and then think about uh, uh, something our extension educator in fruits and vegetables, Annie Claude, has written about in our Yard and Garden News. In fact, it's a hot off the press, brand new article. Go back, go to that uh, website and check it out. And it's called Stale Soil, where you till and then you wait a couple of weeks uh, and allow the weed seeds to germinate. And then you go in and weed or rake, hoe those out and uh, you lower down, you lower your annual seed uh, population, so an annual weed population. So that's a... Um, that's a good technique. That's an interesting one. But as far as uh, messing up the bio of the soil, um, not necessarily, but you don't want to be over-aggressive. You don't want to till just because t- you always have. You want to till because you have a reason to till. Oh, okay. 651-989-9226 if you want to call in your question or text in your question, 81807. A texter wants to know what do you think the best mulch is? What do you like? Well, that's a, um, there's a lot of good mulches out there. Shredded wood mulch is fine. Uh, some people f- like the cypress, which is uh, brought in from other areas, California, I think, uh, down south maybe. Uh, other people like to use local mulches. Uh, some mulches are, uh, like you get at a municipal site, are maybe a little bit more coarse and uh, come from all of the tree trimmings that are uh our maintenance crews cut in the city and, and around the area and that people drop off. And those are th- that mulch is called a, a shredded wood mulch. It's top ground, and uh, it, it's usually pretty good for paths. I don't know if I'd use it so much around my delicate flowers, per se, or in my vegetables. Um, other mulches that people use are the, the dyed mulches, and that's a personal preference. There's nothing uh, that research has said that, is negative about that dye. Uh, and then also there's things like cocoa mulch. It's a little bit more exotic. It's more expensive. Uh, it looks great. Um, it does kind of stink if it's been moldy in the bag. So you want to choose your bags carefully. <laughs> but uh, you can buy it in uh, bulk. And I could go on and on about mulch. But I don't. I guess I don't have a personal preference. I like darker colored mulch because I like mulch that shows off my plants. Oh, very good. And the I, contrast. Yeah, and I, I would recommend that when you're mulching this year is to think about pollinators because we have a lot of ground-nesting native bees, uh, and they cannot get through mulch. So if you have spaces that um, maybe in the back part of your yard or a warm side of your house, the south side, that you don't really use or see or sit around and gaze upon, uh, then maybe leave those unmulched, and uh, you might get some ground-nesting bees there. They're very placid bees. They're not going to sting. Uh, they're solitary bees, and they just lay a few eggs in the soil in tunnels, and uh, and then we need to provide habitat for these kinds of bees. But choose your mulching selectively. Choose it around your entry, maybe around your deck, your patio, but leave some of those back 40 spaces for the bees. Good idea. Back to the phones we go, Julie. Reed is calling from North Branch. Reed, you're on CCO with Julie. I have a recommendation for um, not killing. Okay. Oh, um, great. What, what I do, yeah, I um, establish like four-foot-wide beds. I dig the soil, fix it up, 
and then pile it up to around a foot high, and then add compost and mulch and kind of like lasagna type stuff, sure. and then plant. And then when the you know when the season's over, again apply more mulch and compost, and over the winter that'll compost down and build your soil. So you're not killing; it'll build back to life in the soil. That's great. Boy, that is a recipe right there. I hope everybody heard that. Yeah. That's a great idea. Another thing, too, is that if you have path areas in your garden that you always use, don't bother tilling those. That's where you put your mulch down so that you can have a clean surface to walk on and create some good dividers between your beds. But but really, uh, that was great, Reed. Thank you. What a good yeah. uh, good recipe for that. We have smart listeners, as you already know. We do. Know. Yep. We do. Smart listeners, smart garden. Absolutely. There you go. It fits. <laughs> so we have taken more. We have another half hour of the show to go, as a matter of fact. Call in your question or send your text questions as well. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO, brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard. Julie Weisenhorn is with us in studio. If you're just joining us, Julie... Uh, has her hands full with texts yeah, and callers. Yeah, a ton so of we've texts. got you want to grab a couple of text yeah, messages? Yeah, there sure. are a couple of texts on here that have to do with timing questions. One of them is, let's see. Oh boy, there's so many of them in here. Um one uh is about uh is it okay to trim big maple trees? Yes, you can trim maple trees now. And uh, just be aware that with our cooler temperatures, you might have a little bit of sap drip. And that's perfectly normal, and that's uh, uh, not uh, not a problem. Uh, is it too early to mow? Uh, no, it's not. We had some rain, and that actually flushed out the grass quite a bit and got that stuff going. And and uh, the follow-up to that question is the person woke up to the neighbors mowing, so I think that's the question. Uh, shouldn't I think the question is, I think you should, can we mow before 7 a.m.? No, never. Don't. <laughs> never, even if you have an electric mower. Is it too late to apply a pre-emergent grass preventer? Uh, you can still do that. That is fine. And um, there was another. Oh, is it too late to divide hostas, daylilies, and replant in some other locations? This is actually the perfect time to do that because those are some big, hefty plants. And uh, while they're small like this where they're emerging, this is the perfect time to do it. You can divide them, and they'll flush out in a beautiful, nice round shape, even if you've cut them into a, a little skinny piece. Um, let's see, is it safe to plant zinnias outside? Now, zinnias may be a little bit tougher plants. Now, this person said, I started them from seed, and they are about 8 to 12 inches, so they're getting there. The important thing is if you started annual seeds is that they need to acclimate to the temperature, and you do that by setting them outside in a protective area, outside of the, out of the sun, so in the shade and out of the wind. And you set them out there a little bit longer every day. So maybe put them out early in the morning and then uh, take them in, uh, you know, a little bit later and uh, or protect them in a garage. Start them in your garage where it's cooler or not or a little bit more protected. But you want to basically gradually acclimate them to where they're going to be planted. So uh, if you put them right in the sun, they're going to. probably get sunburned because they've been inside. They need to kind of, we call it hardening off. Should we go back to the phones? Let's do that. Uh, Richard in Wasika, I believe, is next up here. Richard, uh, what is your question, please? Uh, My question is, in uh, 1999, I planted one of those maple trees that has those uh, helicopter things fly off of them every spring. (laughs) Okay, the seeds, yep. And... Yeah, and I landscaped around it with uh, a landscape uh, brick and then uh, uh, rock in be- in inside of that. Okay. 
And the thing, of course, is growing uh, immensely, and uh, all of those rock and stuff are being pushed all over the place by the roots. Now, can I remove those rocks and that landscaping and fill that with dirt without harming the tree? Oh, good question. Okay, so um, when the best way for a tree to grow is for the root flare to be exposed. So that is right at the point where the trunk comes down toward the ground and then it flares out and you see the big major roots. So you want those to be open and visible to the, you know, that you can be, you're able to see those. You do not want to bury those. You don't want to cover them heavily with mulch, whether it be rock or uh, wood mulch. Uh, but you want to pull the mulch back about a, a, away from the trunk and away from that root flare so that you can see that root flare. What we found through research is that by covering up those roots and b- especially burying them, you can create what are called stem girdling roots where the roots start to grow around and around in that uh, soil that's on top of the roots and eventually it can choke out the tree. And you can, it's a slow death but, but uh, a death nonetheless. So you want to remove all of your landscaping block, remove the rock, and expose the, that main root flare. You don't have doesn't have to go way out, but just make sure that that root flare shows. And then pull any new mulch about a foot away from the trunk, and then you can mulch out uh, beyond that, and you can interplant in there with you know shade perennials or just leave it as plain mulch. But that's a great. I'm so glad you asked that question because we see that a lot. Um, we had some bad practices in the past as tree owners, mm-hmm. and it's important to have that root flare showing and to pull things away. Don't bury the trunk. Don't bury the root. You can cover it a little bit with mulch, but but we don't want to put uh, a ton of organic matter on top of it. Okay. Let's see. Keith, uh, Keith is calling in from Plymouth. Keith, you're on with Julie. I was just wondering, you kind of answered part of my question. What's <laughs> okay. the earliest... Uh, we can I can trim back trees. I have ash, maple, and oak in my yard, and I didn't get it done this winter. Okay, not the oak. You should not. Right now, they are at the highest risk for oak wilt. So do not trim your oaks. Uh, maple and ash, I believe you can still trim those. The maple you can, and I, I, and yes, you can with ash too. You can trim those now. Okay. Chuck in Maple Grove has a question for Julie. Go ahead, Chuck. Yes, uh, I just heard part of the question answered. Well, our tree roots that are exposed are extend out as much as fifteen, right. ten to fifteen feet. Uh, should the is it best to just leave the grass grow up through that, or just cover that as you said thinly with a thin mulch? Uh, I personally, w- I would recommend the mulch, and the reason is uh, because it's very hard to grow grass in between tree roots like that. It's often too shady for grass, and you also have to mow that grass. And when you get your mower into those areas between tree roots, you can damage the tree roots with inadvertently, of course, with the blade or the edge of your mower. And even if you use a string trimmer or a weed whip, you can still damage the roots. So it's best to just avoid uh, grass in those areas, and to plant uh, shade perennials in that space. And you can you can mulch uh, in that area too, or you can plant right into the soil. But mulch is a great uh, protector of the finer roots that are below the surface of the of the soil that are feeding the tree as well. 
So you really want to avoid damaging those roots. So that opens up a wound. It can create uh, a kind of a doorway for pathogens to get into the tree, and uh, it can be a stressful uh, factor for the tree as well. All right. Gene uh, is calling in with a question for Julie. Go ahead, Gene. You're on CCO. Yes, my question grew to three questions. <laughs> um, one of them is my husband's, my deceased husband's favorite tree is an oak, and it has long branches and um, just little bitty stems coming off of the branches, and it's kind of a fiddle leaf fig. I mean, a fiddle leaf leaf, uh-huh. and that isn't got any leaves yet. Um, I also have a front area in my yard, which is all dandelions and creeping charlie and wild violets. And last summer, last spring, um, I delayed cutting them because when I went out to to start my lawnmower up and cut them, they were full of pollinators, bees of all sizes and all shapes. Okay. And they're blooming, and there's no bees. There's one. I saw one tiny bee, and it looked like it was um, shivering. Jean, do you have a question? I was wondering about the tree, if it's just that it's a late bloomer. Oh, late of leafing out. Well, the best thing to do with a tree, especially if it's a larger tree, it sounds to me like it's a white oak. And uh, and the best thing to do is if you're concerned about the health of any mature tree because they're so valuable and they mean a lot to us, is to contact a certified arborist and have them come and take a look at the tree. Uh, it, and you can find information on that. We have a good publication on our extension site called How to Hire a, a Certified Arborist. And it gives you lots of good questions to ask as well as ways to contact them. Uh, there's a lot of great tree care companies in, the, in, the, in Minnesota, and a lot of them have certified arborists on staff. So you could also call a tree care company if you've had them come out before. But be sure that they're certified. Uh, that means that they've gone through extensive training and education. Got a lot of good people in town. We do. Yeah. yeah, we have some great tree companies. Yeah. yeah. We're going to take a break, Julie, but before we do, we always, and we laugh about it in a way, 52 weeks a year about Creeping Charlie, getting rid of it. But this person, is it a legitimate ground cover to use? Because they say, I live in a very isolated area and it's shady. I can't keep ahead of it. I say embrace it. Embrace. <laughs> if, if nobody's harping on you about yeah, it. if you and, live out in the... And you live out it, yeah, yeah, you live in a, a, a rural area and, and you're fine with it. And you um, don't have neighbors that you might... You don't have get, neighbors yeah. who are telling you to keep keep it out of their yards. Um, but it is, what, what do you guys say, it's it's in the mint family? It's in the mint family. It's a, it's called ground ivy is another ah. uh, word for it if you ever see it for sale or something, but... Uh, yeah, we have uh, come to think of it as a weed, but there are a lot of places where it actually grows as a legitimate ground cover. I don't know if I call it legitimate here, but um, it's your choice. It's All your right. yard. And if you think it's fine, more Go power to it. you. All right. Hang on, Julie. We'll take a quick break here, and we'll be back with more of your phone calls and text messages here on our Smart Garden Show on 830-WCCO. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Brought to us by By the Yard Furniture, Patio Furniture. Uh, Julie Weisenhorn's back with us in the studio. You know what we haven't done yet? Wish Mom a happy Mother's well, Day. Well, for one. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And tell all the moms what the website is for the university. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> here's a free gift for you from me. Uh, we have a great website, as as a lot of the listeners know, and it's extension.umn.edu. 
Click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden, and it's actually going to get a big facelift at the end of May. Oh, it is? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit, a bit, bit nervous about it because there's a lot of writing left to do between now and then, but... Um, yeah, that we're improving the navigation of it so it's easier for people to find information, All which right. is always our goal, find good quality research-based information. So, yeah. And the website so, is? Extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab, go to Yard and Garden. And oh, be sure to read the Yard and Garden news. It's got, it is, so many questions people have asked are answered in that online publication. So we keep writing it. We write it all the time throughout the entire growing season. We write it all year, but more so, of course, in the growing season. Very good. Yeah, it's a great resource. In fact, I was looking at it while I was in Sonoma. That very resource. What were you reading? I was looking about uh, fertilizer for boxwood. Oh. How about that? Well, there you go. How about that? Denny Long uses his extension <laughs> website. That's right. Good taste. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> he's uh, a smart guy from Smart Garden. <laughs> let, let's talk to Mary. We'll move on. Let's talk to Mary, who's All calling right. from New Prague. Mary, what is your question for Julie, please? Yeah, Julie, I have a vegetable garden, and uh, I have lots of cow manure. Okay. I'd like to know what's the best manure. I used to hear sheep manure uh, for the garden. I get a lot of weed seeds out of the cow manure. Sure, yeah. I'll hang up and listen. Okay. Well, uh, manure should be well composted, and and, uh, according to what I've read from our soils folks, and uh, we actually have manure management people on staff, is uh, mm-hmm. that it needs to be composted for over a year. And uh, in the, you want to have it in a large enough pile, of course, that it heats up high enough, uh, the temperature inside to kill weed seeds. And I, I want to say 140 degrees or 160 degrees. I think it's 140 degrees. Uh, Annie, our vegetable person, would know that. And so the problem with, um, you know, if you get a pile of manure and you, you compost in your backyard, it may or may not mm-hmm get hot enough. And so the weed seeds are always a factor. The animal eats the plant, the seeds come through its system, and seeds are tough. Seeds will, they found weed seeds that are hundreds, even, I think, I I dare say thousands of years old that have, uh, are still viable that have been in the soil. So their seeds are pretty remarkable things. But as far as the type, the best type of manure for your vegetable garden is going to depend on a soil test. And uh, and I think also on um, the availability of the manure, if you have a local source, if you have to buy it, uh, which is one way to avoid weed seeds is purchasing a manure uh, that comes bagged. And, uh, and, and I think I would say cow manure or sheep manure are probably equally good uh, for a vegetable garden. A lot of people will put poultry manure down. But the important thing, again, is that it be composted well. And uh, that's a year or more in a pile. Or also, if you buy a commercial compost, then that would have been composted down, too. You don't want to put fresh manure on anything. It can actually have too much nitrogen, and it can actually burn your plants. Okay. Tell you what. See, uh, yeah, we've got a few minutes to go here, Julie. Uh, John in Bloomington is calling with a question. John, what's your question for Julie? Yeah, good morning. Um, I uh, have the opportunity to, to transplant a flowering tree and uh, I don't know what kind it is, and uh, is, is this a good time of the year to tr- try to do that? It's a good time of the year to plant trees, yes, because it's cooler weather. Fall is also good, uh, but spring does give the tree the opportunity to get established and then grow throughout the growing season into, and then easily go into the winter. 
Okay, would there be, I'm one of the few people that don't have a computer and access to the web. Would there be a phone number where I could reach your department? Uh, for what type of information? To find a, a, a good arborist. Uh, I would actually contact, uh, Just you can look in the yellow pages and okay. contact an arborist and, and just ask them about, you know, are they certified and ask a little bit about their their experience in doing this. A lot of tree care companies would be happy to transplant for you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Right, John, thank you. Uh, let's see. Leslie, I think Leslie and Rosemont may be our last caller this morning. Leslie, what's your question? Hi there, Say I've got those terrible Japanese beetles like everyone else. Um, they just wreak havoc on my grapevines. And I heard there's a product you can put in the soil that is systemic that will kill them. Uh, by getting into the plant system. Do you know what that is? Uh, yes. Have you seen the Japanese beetles yet? <laughs> Not yet, but I, oh my goodness, I'm so tired of topically trying to get rid of them. It doesn't work. Right. I actually um, have a flowering plum tree to them. Okay. So. <laughs> and so now talking about, we have a little bit of time. Uh, let's talk about systemics because on a grapevine, um, uh, the problem with systemics is it's likely to be a neonicotinoid, which is a type of pesticide that is toxic to bees. And on a lot of our flowering plants, grapes are flowering plants, apples, plums, uh, using something like that would be very detrimental to your pollinator population. And we heartily recommend not doing that. Uh, as far as the grapes go, if you treat those grapes after um, they have bloomed, then uh, that could possibly be, an, uh, you know, that's something you could possibly treat with. The important thing to do is you need to read the label of the pesticide and see your, make sure that your plant that you are treating, in this case grapes, are labeled that this product is labeled for treating that. Now a lot of label a lot of pesticides are not labeled for edibles. So uh if you are eating those grapes, collecting them, making juice, whatever, uh you they need it needs to be a product that's appropriate and that's labeled for grapes. So uh that's that's kind of the the way to so you want to look for a product that's labeled for grapes and uh you do not want to treat that plant until after it's finished blooming. There's a lot of research that's going on too about how long those pesticides stay in the plant tissue, uh, and it's it's all over the map. It's it it's really it's not conclusive yet. So we uh, you know we try to encourage people to hand pick the beetles, to net for the beetles, to use a spray like a kaolin clay or something that will create a barrier against the beetles, or not plant grapes in your yard. I mean, that's the other option, too. But um, I'm sure we'll be talking about that more on future sure. shows. But you have to check the label. That's the most important thing. Good to see you again, Julie. Yeah, We're good to see you, We're out of time. We'll be back again next week with another another Smart Garden show. Thank you very much. And quickly, the website. Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab. Go to Yard and Garden. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.